Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of The Psychic Wives. I'm Kathy Rumsey. I'm Ginger Hendry. And I'm Jerry Carabin. And today we have on a very special guest who actually all three of us know and love from years ago, um, Karen Smith. Do you go by Karen Dendy Smith or just Karen Smith? I go by Karen Dendy Smith. Perfect. Karen Dendy Smith is here. She isn't, she does, uh, Qigong, I'm, hopefully I'm saying that right, and energy work. So, and I know you do more than that, Karen, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself a little bit. Okay, well, thank you all for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, and yes, Kathy, you're right. I, I do a mixed bag of many things. Uh, I know today we're talking about the Pongu energy work and Qigong that I do. I've been doing that for 20 years. I also do soul level animal communication and soul level intuitive coaching as well. It's so funny because we always ask our guests, like, you know, we all do a, a bunch of different things. So we always ask our guests, like, you know, what do you say? And it's like, oh God, do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like, I do this and this and this and this, you know what I mean? Um, um, so I love that, that, that um, you can kind of add to it here. We're, we're, we're talking about this today, but she also does blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absolutely. So... For, for those people who are listening who have no idea what the specific kind of type of energy work and Qigong that you do, can you explain a little bit what it means, what it entails? Sure. Um, so that the specific kind of energy work and Qigong that I do are called, are called Pangu Shen Gong. And Pangu Shen Gong literally means divine Shen spirit Gong cultivation or practice over a lifetime. So when we, when we think about Qi Gong, which is a very generic term for all forms of practice and energy cultivation over the course of a lifetime, Qi Gong really covers the bucket of yoga, any sort of uh, practice where it's spiritually based and you're drawing in and cultivating your own growth and energy. It can be music, it can be art, it can be yoga, Tai Chi, the martial arts. They're all Qi Gongs. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so that's helping me to get a little bit less confused. <laughs> <laughs> I have yes. this fast. Neat. Yeah. I, then, I love that you said that too, Karen, because um, I, I've heard people say this too. I mean, we have one really source of divine energy, right? That we're all working from or working through or opening up to. So is it just not, and I don't mean just, I don't mean it in this way, but um, these different forms, whether it's Reiki, you know, whatever the type of energy um, treatment it is, is it more intention of how you're using that energy? Like in, in the practice, do you know what I mean? Am I asking that the right way? Yes. Um, the, the answer is yes and no, which is also part, <laughs> part of this Pangu Shengong level of work, which is that um, there is a yes and a no, usually for all of our understanding of this, because as humans, we are more limited as to the whole big picture of what we're actually doing. So there's always a yes and a no. Um, but in general, yes. And the intention that we have to connect with our hearts to the divine source, whatever you believe that is, it doesn't matter if you're religious or not, believing there is and understanding there's a higher energetic intelligence that puts us all together and that there's a bigger plan than when 
what we can see while we're in the 3D. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that the more kind and compassionate we are and love we have in our heart for wanting to help someone and the more focus we have on becoming a good conduit and allowing that energy to move through us, the stronger it becomes. Mm-hmm. The, the form that I learned, the Pangu Shengong form by my teacher, Master Owen Wei, uh, is divinely inspired and was given to him, he says directly from Pangu or the creator. And so it's a, it's a way of focusing your, our intention with the maxim or the words that we say and the practice that we do and the Qigong that we actually cultivate for ourselves to increase our own energy and life force and kindness, de- desire for kindness is what cultivates more energy to flow through to the, the person that we're working on mm-hmm. or that I'm working on. So can we, can you explain like, okay, so you, you do this to someone in person or zoom, I guess, or, or how does it or, work? How does, how does, what happens when somebody comes to see you? Is it like a physical thing or what's, what happens? I know. And full disclosure, she did a cool little, um, mini session for us right before we recorded so we could kind of get a taste of it um and you know super cool um so can you kind of talk us through that like what happens how how does a session work so um a session works where so someone could call me and say i'm not feeling in balance or in harmony i might i have people who are really sick that i've worked with from everything from cancer to ms to uh uh, anxiety disorders, um, you know, it runs the gamut. There is nothing outside of the effect of this, that this energy can affect. Mm-hmm. Um, so when someone calls and says, I need help, we talk about what they feel is going on on a physical level and, and in an emotional level, if they can tap into that. Um, and then I can work with them energetically, whether we're in person or on the phone, on Zoom, or even just setting a, an exact time for a connection and then just laying down and, and being very peaceful during that time, the energy goes through. It's, it's like you're turning on a radio station. You know how you turn a radio station on and you focus in on the right um, yeah. beacon or frequency or whatever. Yeah, right. So, yeah. And it's pretty much instantaneous because energy travels faster than light. So... Um, the minute we start focusing and intending for a connection, mm. it, it begins to channel through me to that person. And what happens is, is I become actually a mirror. Over the 20 years of practice, I've, my body's become so sensitive that I become a mirror for what's going on in the other person. And sometimes I can give them information about underlying um, essences of what's going on or places to look where something may have begun, even though it might be manifesting differently now physically. Okay. So that's cool that you said that because that's what I was going to ask. It almost feels like, like, um, what you did with us in the beginning, um, for, like I said, folks, she did this beforehand, but, um, you said, I felt something, somebody's thyroid and da 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 Cause she was doing the three of us at once. So it felt to me like there's like almost like a medical intuitive part of you there and that's the mirroring part that you just kind of explained so you you can either feel or sense or just know 
or be brought to the area on your body that's going on on the client's body. Correct. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Like, like you did, like I said, with right. us. Um, and full disclosure, it was pretty cool because before she was like, like I said, she's working on the three of us. And she said, I feel a big thyroid thing going on. And I'm thinking, oh my God, because I have a big thyroid thing going on. You know what I mean? So, um, so that was in again in just 10 minutes. Um, so really super, that was super cool. That was super yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, um, what brought you to study this originally like 20 something years ago? How did you, how did you, like, what piqued your interest about it? Do you so, remember? Yeah. Oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 20 years ago, I was in the middle of, although I didn't realize it at the time, I was in the middle of my marriage falling, my first marriage falling apart. I'm now in a second most wonderful marriage. Of, I'm so glad <laughs> that the first one crumbled. <laughs> but at the time, I didn't, I didn't know that. And I was starting to feel the separation of our vibration because I was very sensitive and, and intuitive, but didn't realize it. Yeah. I had lost the connection. I used to be like that when I was a kid and suppressed it like a lot of us do. Yeah, and then it starts to come back and you're like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. So that's what was happening to me. And I could feel- And isn't it amazing how life-changing that is once you go, yeah. oh, right. That I it back in. <laughs> Yeah, this door is opening back up for me mm -hmm. and it makes you see things in a whole other light. Yeah. Yeah. And so I actually um, was not sleeping and I was getting skin rashes and my eyesight was getting really blurry and I was really scared. And I didn't know at that point that my marriage was falling apart and I was starting to work out trying to fix myself. And uh, I'd gone to many doctors and they, I was tested for lupus. I was tested for all kinds of crazy things. Nobody could find anything wrong with me. I made my gallbladder. Nobody knew. So what was funny is the universe gives us signs if we pay attention, as you guys know and have talked about. And, <laughs> and if you don't, if you don't notice them, they'll, they'll, they just, keep, they'll hammer they'll them home. Keep, they'll keep coming and get stronger. And as Jerry often says, my <laughs> yep. yep. So my health issues were part of that. And also in the same week, three completely different people who didn't know of each other recommended me to the same acupuncturist. Oh, and I thought, all right, Karen, you've got to be completely crazy if you don't pick up on this. Yeah. I went to him and he became my first teacher immediately, uh, Paul Frazier, who also is a senior student of Master Rose. And within six weeks, he well, the minute I walked in, he said, oh, it's good to see you. I've been waiting for you. So energetically, we knew each other. And the minute I saw him, I knew I knew him. That's fantastic. So I from other lifetimes. A couple weeks ago, yeah. I met someone and I was like, there you are. I feel like I've known you yes. my whole life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, so we basically, he said, we picked up where we left off in other lives. <clears throat> and he became my teacher. And fixed, I mean, helped me fix all the health issues that I was having. And he basically told me I was literally weeks away from chronic fatigue syndrome. And that's what was going on in my system and overload on my adrenals and my endocrine system that was this, you know, two inches away from crashing, let's call it. Mm -hmm. um, he also taught me this Qigong. He brought me to learn this Qigong. And that was the beginning of my journey. 
Um, and a few years later, I asked, he had basically said, you're ready to become a teacher. And I thought, oh my God, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I had noticed like all my ailments had gone away. You know, I had ulcers when I was a kid. I always had skin issues. Basically, they all went away. And I thought, there's something to this. And after a long, you know, many classes and, and talking with him and understanding how life force energy actually works um, at, at our physical, spiritual levels, at all the levels, I realized I had cleaned out a lot of layers of stuff. There's always more to clean out, but the really intense ones that made me sick, I started to clean out. So can we just stop there? I'm sorry, but for people that don't understand when you say clean out, um, what are we talking about? Are we talking about energy balancing? I mean, did you do this in combination with recognizing whether you had food allergies or I, I don't know what that situation was, but what, what does clean out mean? So what I mean by clean out or clear out is when we have dis-ease or sickness in our body, from the Chinese perspective, which is where this comes from, the philosophy or the Chinese perspective and theory is that we are not cultivating and balancing our life force, which is what Qigong actually does, is it brings in life force from the universe to keep things running smoothly. And so what happens over time is be based on our experiences in this life and the beliefs we have, uh, the tribulations and traumas we go through, we begin our stress and begins to eat away at the life force that we have. And if we don't replenish it, whichever organs or parts of our body are serving up the most energy start to become depleted. And you can basically turn it almost like a dimmer. You turn down the energy that they need to balance and work together like as a smooth symphony. And once that happens, that's where the, the sickness comes in because they aren't all working together in concert. Other vibrations can take over or are created in your body that have a lower frequency that aren't in harmony with the frequency needed to keep your body working at its proper, perfect level. Um, so is that answering your question? <laughs> it is because I'm thinking I've had adrenal fatigue twice. Mm -hmm in the last probably i haven't had it for maybe three years but i've had it twice yeah. maybe in the last 10 years mm -hmm. and so i couldn't tell i mean obviously i was out of balance but yes. i think it was both emotional and physical mm -hmm. for me and i have done a lot of work not qigong which i wish i knew about 10 years ago because maybe i could have balanced myself out yeah. you know much better uh then but it's a very um upsetting the whole adrenal system is just not a good thing ever, ever, ever. No. <laughs> Terrible. So what it, basically the Qigong helps cultivate the life force. And as it comes in, it will work against and replace. And because two things can't fill the same space at once. So the higher vibration of life force energy comes in and it is a stronger frequency. So the more energy like that you draw into your body, eventually it replaces it. In, in Chinese, it does battle with what's there and kicks it out or transforms it. It takes some time because think of all the time that it took to, to diminish or create this other kind of frequency in your body. So retraining your system to say, oh, right, this is the level of frequency that belongs in my body. 
the, the refueling, like you're charging a phone in to get the battery recharged takes some time, mm. but it's the diligence of, and the persistence that you have and the, and the calmness and peacefulness in your heart that allows your system to open up and draw in this higher frequency. And that's what I teach. That's the Qigong that I teach. So, so what you're describing, and, and I know it's, it, it, it's not as similar as I'm going to make it out to be in this simplified example, but like the, the set, you know, the little mini session you did with the three of us before we started the podcast and everything, um, was similar almost to like a Reiki thing. Like some of your descriptions remind me of Reiki energy work. However, Qigong is also about movement and in the way that I would think of Tai Chi or yoga or something like that. So how, how do you like do those two things mesh together? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, they're all the Qigong practice and the energy work part of it are all based in the same energy system to start. So the, the energy work that I said to you, the Pangu energy work is the same cultivation of energy in the same place and the same heart's intention that I became the conduit to give it to you. Okay. The Qigong that I teach, which is the Pangu Shengong Qigong, is the same energy, same source. And what you're doing is by doing this yourself, you're becoming your own conduit. And that's the goal. That's really the goal, Mastro says, is to, yes, I can help you and, and treat someone if they're sick and help get the ball rolling for them and then support them as they take on cultivating their own life force. And so it's a team approach and also giving somebody the opportunity to do it for themselves. Okay, and so that's my question. Is there a physical thing that somebody is doing for themselves? Yes. Like movement, like Tai Chi or something like that? Yes. It's, ah. it's much easier than Tai Chi, much simpler yeah, than God, Tai Chi. Yeah, because Tai Chi is like, wait, wait, what? what? I know. Yeah, okay, I got it. So that's something that in a session, you figure out what's going on, you find it in their body, you give the energy, but then you're sending them away with the ability to do this physical part of it themselves. Does that kind of make sense or? Yes, eventually. Eventually, right. I think that initially it depends on the type of person. You know, we all have different desires and, and approaches to life. And so sometimes people will come just saying, please help me. Yeah. Help me, send me energy, talk to me about what is wrong so mm -hmm. I can go talk to the doctor. And sometimes people will say, I, I just want you to treat me for a while because they really come from a, a place of not really understanding yet that they have the power to do this themselves. Yeah. Over the course of conversation, some people get it much quicker than others. Some people see it right away and say, just teach me. So it depends on someone's interest and progress. But eventually, I, my goal with my students, I call them not patients or clients, um, is that once they understand how this is working for them, that they want to do it for themselves. And then I teach them the movements. And that it takes about 20 minutes to do a, a form, a meditation form. And you can do it standing or seated. Um, it, it's great for people who have handicaps or disabilities. 
um, who are trying to bring themselves back physically, even from ailments and situations. Um, and that when you become stronger, standing is a great way to do the practice as well. I'm feeling a Facebook Live coming on. I am too, but, and, but I have two, two questions around this. Let me see what the first one is. Um, do you find that you treat, it doesn't make a difference, this is as many, but is it as common for you to get somebody who comes in with an anxiety issue? Because today, right now, anxiety for many, many people is much higher than maybe normally is, right? This whole year has been crazy. Really? Um, so, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so do you, do you find that a lot of the clients that come to you are looking for help with that? I'm just anxious. I'm not feeling well. So it's not necessarily a physical problem. Yeah. I didn't know what manif can manifest that, but okay. So it treats, and my second question is, um, do you treat children as well? I mean, obviously it's maybe harder to teach a child to do that depending on the age, but, but do you do treatment for children? I do. And I with the parent's permission, obviously, and a parent present with the child. So it would be either in person or on Zoom so they can see and we can talk um, as long as the parent is there. And, and generally what I'll do is I'm treating the child. I also send energy to the parent at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, energetically, children are so connected to their parents, mm -hmm. especially at a young age, you know, before six years old that anything that I'm doing for the child is really the parent actually needs as well. <laughs> I that found a lot of sense. Yep. Um, yes. Children are faster healers. They don't, they don't question intellectually what's going on. They feel it and they know it. They're like, Oh, cool. Give me more of that. Right. I used to do that with my nieces when they were really young. My brother would let me work with them and Every time I come see them, they'd be like, can't you send me the energy tingles? <laughs> Make me feel better. Um, so yeah, kids are an amazing, they have amazing, um, recovery when it comes to doing this and they're very open to learning, right? They don't question it. They just, they're like, cool, I can do this and make this thing feel this way. Awesome. Um, mm. but a lot of people come to me because they care about their animals. Mm. So people, you guys know, people do all kinds of things for the animals that they would not do for themselves. Right. So expand on that. What do you mean? They come to you? So they come to me because their animal is sick. Ah. And they'll say, can you do the energy work on my animal? And can, can you, you tell me what's wrong with my animal? And do you do that or? So I do. And I say to them, nine times out of 10, the animal will tell me they're not letting me do it unless I include their person. Oh, that's cool. So I'll say to the person, you know, Fluffy said, that's fine as long as you'll take the energy as well, because they want you to know that this has something to do with you. Mm. So everybody usually says, sure, as long as you fix my animal, I don't care what you do to me. And then we start the process. And then that's where the animal communication part comes in and it weaves in and I'm telling them what the animal's feeling, where the ailments might be, where to check with the vet. You know, the animal's saying, go retest my blood things like that. Right. Um, at the same time, they're also saying, and also my person, blah, 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 blah. Mm. So that's when the person says, oh, so I'm, my apprehension, my anxiety, my whatever is affecting them. And the animal will say, yeah, my person needs to chill out, do meditation, whatever. And that's where the Qigong comes in. Mm. 
that's when they say, fine, teach me this meditation. If it's going to help me stay calm and help my animal. That's fantastic. Yeah. I just read an article in psychology today about how at this point in the pandemic, uh, our animals are, are really starting to stress out from having their humans around all the time and picking up on and maybe even trying to absorb some of their humans energy. Mm -hmm. um, Definitely. So yeah. Yeah. It's funny you said that, Kathy, because I just did a reading not that long ago um, for a woman who said that her dog was hiding under the bed and the dog had never done that before. And when I connected with the dog, it wasn't, it wasn't some big, horrible thing. It, 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 there was actually some humor, but the, nobody was used to being, the dog was used to nobody being home. Yeah. And now both parents and the child or children, I don't remember, were home every day, all day. And it was her like time out. <laughs> I just... Yeah. Give me a break. I need an hour or two. Um, so yeah, it is. it is. There's some commercial for something on TV where it's like, hey, Fluffy, you want to go for a walk? And the dog's like, yay. And then an hour later, hey, Fluffy, you want to go for a walk? And the dog's like, all right. And then, hey, Fluffy, oh my God. You know what I mean? It gets like, the dog's like totally like hiding. No, I want to go for another walk. You, know? you go for the walk. You need the walk. You go. That's right. <laughs> you know, out of my house. Get out of my space. That's really cool, the connection with the animals. I love yeah, that. It really is. Yeah. And really. so, you know, you guys felt the energy. And so when you do this practice yourself and you draw in this life force energy, you're drawing it into you and all around you. And also, so I've noticed with people who do this, their animals, even when I'm teaching them, they'll be like, oh my God, my, my dog is like falling asleep in front of me or my cat's climbing all over me. Because they feel this vibration. They, as you guys know, they don't have the same filters we do. So they just feel the good, balanced energy and they want to be in it. So a lot of times what I say to people, while you're practicing, if your dog is having an ailment, stand over your dog. Let your cat sit on your lap. Put them in your heart. Intend that they are a part of your practice and mm -hmm. watch what happens. That's cool. And so a lot of animals health starts to get a little better because the person's doing the qigong and taking care of themselves and the energy is actually going into the animal as well yeah so let's talk about the training itself uh, everybody's an individual right as, as we said so everybody's sort of in a different place are you doing classes where there are multiple people are you doing it one-on-one -on -one? and what might a typical given that everybody's different what might a typical time frame or whatnot be to learn how to do that for yourself Yes, yeah, so I do, I do teach one-on-one -on, -one on Zoom for people who want to learn one-on-one. -on -one. I also, if people want to come together in a small group, I, I teach in small groups as well. And it is one class, one and done. Mm -hmm. There oh, isn't this long, this is why I love this practice and I love Mastero so much as a teacher because his, his desire was to really help people help themselves. And so it's a very easy thing to learn. Um, it is, it's funny because he says it's, it's the easiest thing you'll learn and the hardest thing you'll do. Yes. Mm. So is this something that you do like every morning or I if, do. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it's something that you could be just like a meditation or whatever. Now, could it take place of your meditation or it, or, mm -hmm. you know, like, yes. okay. And then you can also do it when you're feeling icky or, yes. you know, so it can just kind of be used whenever I need it kind of thing. Yes. 
Yes, and, and so the thing about this is um, uh, practicing every day for 20 minutes is a great way to give yourself a calm foundation. The whole point of this practice is really the, the essence of this practice is about cultivating a kinder and more compassionate heart and soul. Because that vibration of kindness, which is my favorite word, by the way. Yes, the yeah, word. there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. That vibration of kindness has a frequency in it that is, is lighter and more in harmony with the construct of the universe. Yes. And since we are a part of the construct of the universe, the more kind you are, the more your frequency changes in your system, the more you heal physically. Mm. So by cultivating every day this practice, it actually... Everybody, hold on. She's frozen for a second. She so until she gets back. Oh, sorry, I'm back. It's okay. Oh, that was fast. Um, that was yeah. very fast. Thank so goodness. we're at, by so cultivating it, this practice. Okay. So it, it cultivates kindness of your heart and soul. And it actually begins to change you in a way you didn't expect. That's what happened to me, actually. Um, it changes your behavior. It changes how you are as a, at your essence, like how you see yourself. And that then begets the health. Yeah. Um, even though people think they're practicing to fix their health initially, which yeah. they are. It, it goes both directions. Right. But practicing once a day, if you're pretty healthy, is, is great. It's a great way to keep yourself calm and balanced. People who are really, really, really sick, I'll just put it that way, we're talking committing to hours mm. a day yeah. to replace an energy with a new energy. Right. I've met people who, who literally were at death's door with serious, serious illnesses of all kinds. And 10, 15 years later, they are still completely healthy. That's wow. awesome. And that's, that's how I met my teacher, Paul. He... Um, he had bone cancer when he was 13 and then it came back when he was 19 and they told him he was going to die. And he started by doing a different form of Qigong and energy work. And when he met Master O, uh, Master O basically worked with him and, and now he's in his fifties and he's still completely clear of cancer. And he, he's the one who really taught me about this energy and can and how to work with people with cancer and, and how this life force can replace just about any frequency that isn't in balance. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. So how many it's people really powerful. are saying, I want to learn. I'm <laughs> like, writing down, um, touch base with Karen later today. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, because like, um, I just think it's fascinating. And, and I love, you know, I have my morning ritual, you know, which is a, you know, I practice, um, transcendental meditation um or a meditation um mm -hmm. every morning and it is interesting because towards the end of last year you know upheaval in my life and i i which is was super crazy upheaval in my life and i let the meditation go mm -hmm. like it was like because i was trying to like like i was going a little crazy and trying to fix other things and how do i do this and how do i do this and it was like i don't have time for that right which is like the worst possible thing I could have done. Do you know what I mean? It's like to let the meditation go. So now I'm back to, you know, my 20 minutes in the morning and then oftentimes a little bit more in the afternoon. Um, so that's why I asked that question about, um, and not replacing a meditation, but, right. you know, maybe 
um, if, if you are a little tight on time, instead of doing a 20 minute meditation and then 20 minute, um, this practice, you could, you know, pick one, you know, that, that right. better or something. Is that, is that a reasonable thought process there? Yeah. Yes. Because I feel every single person has to find their own way. Yeah. Right. To, for their own path. Yeah. So I would never be so militant to say, no, this is the only one. Right. 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 That wouldn't, that wouldn't be right. Because but, the thing is, it's all about, you know, meditation is getting to that quiet place and finding that balance and letting things go, et cetera. I and mean, it sounds like this actually could be, and I, and I am speaking for myself. There, there are days when you can't quiet the mind. Right. At a meditation, you're sitting in there and you're like opening one eye and looking at the clock like going, oh, crap, I got yeah. 10 more minutes. You know what I mean? And you can't get there. Maybe the physicalness of this would be better, I know, for me some days. Yes. Do, do you know what I mean? Because it would feel oh, like yeah. actively doing something. And that, that I, again, not, I, I, I love what you just said there. You're not like, you have to do this, whatever. But I just think, boy, that would, that would be helpful for me. Well, I think for meditation, right, you're bringing your um, awareness and you are lowering, hopefully if you are meditating, lowering your stress level, your heart rate, you know, your physical body or whatever. But in this, um, it feels more like I'm bringing in, like to your point, Jerry, you're actually doing something like I'm, um, I'm healing in a different way, more at a physical level than maybe meditation. Would yeah. be. And I love meditation, but I mean, I, this feels more powerful to me, um, yeah. not, not knowing right. exactly how to do it, but yeah. from what yeah. you're saying. So I, would, I would say yes, and the way that you're describing it, Ginger, it can be more powerful because, I mean, your, your emotions are very small. They're just hand rotations mm -hmm. and opening your arms to breathe and visualizing. You're visualizing the sun, the moon sun and the moon combined and you're drawing in those energies from the universe so yes you are actually doing something the the part of it that helps your temperament or your heart and soul is coming to it with a calm and peaceful mindset and learning to be in the practice meditation with an open heart which mm -hmm. is similar to being in med any meditation you have to be there with an open heart the additional part of this is that you're, you're not just meditating to clear, you're cultivating, right? So you're clearing and you're cultivating at the same time. And you're drawing in a frequency and an energy that you've been using up, which is why you're not feeling well. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're recharging your life force energy as well, which is what's yeah, so powerful. So doing right? both the meditation and then the Qigong together. Woo! You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> you could be like... Yeah, you can change the world. You're like Superwoman. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Really cool. I love that. Reading, I'm curious, Karen, is there anything that you're like, I really want you to know this about this practice or anything that you feel like is important to what you do that we haven't touched on? It's a good question. Um. <laughs> I just, I wasn't, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, like bring the podcast to an end and then have you be like, Oh, I really wanted to get this point right. across or something. Um, so I would say the thing that I want to, if I were to add anything to what I've been saying is that 
this is a spiritual and personal journey doing a practice like this. It never ends. And I think that in this day and age in society, people are looking for, give me the thing that fixes stuff. And then I'm fixed. Yes. Right. And in this case, this is a practice that you bring with you for your entire life and helps you through whatever, whatever is part of your, you know, destiny to have to deal with in this life. Because you know, on a spirit, more spiritual level, there are things we encounter to help our souls grow. Mm. And I think that this practice wakes up an awareness in you if you stay with it long enough that there is more than what meets the eye and that you can get more in touch with your own soul and understand that there's something bigger than us out there, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what you think it is, but there is something bigger that ties us together and that we have it we're on a journey and that's it because you're doing this practice doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect the rest of your life there'll be more things and more encounters and i have had many over the last 20 years that if not for this practice i would probably be a much nastier sadder person (laughs) i can honestly say that so and i love what you say about like not going into it with the I'm going to do this so I can get fixed because there is no fixing us. There's always something you, right. It is a journey. And, you know, we've, we've joked in the past and I'm sure it's just like this, you know, with, Oh, how many more lessons, how many more lessons am I going to have to learn? And it's like, well, you know, once all your lessons are done, you're done. You're (laughs) done. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it's not about fixing you. It's about, kind of like being your best version that you can be at any moment in time as you go through this journey. There's certainly fixing from a, you know, especially around the anxiety stuff. Yes. Feeling better and, and, and finding ways to, to shift your, your thought patterns and your vibration and everything like that. But it's not like, Oh, cool. I got on top of that anxiety. I'm never going to have to deal with that again. Yeah. Right. And I like at the beginning how, like you're, you're saying practice, it's a practice, just like yoga for me is yes. a practice. Yes. Um, and yoga I, is a Qigong. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and so, and yeah, you had said that in the beginning and I like that because it's not like, okay, I did yoga for this week. So now I'm good. Yoga check. You right. Know. Well, and it's just, I mean, but really everything's a practice, right? Meditation's a practice. Our yeah. life is a practice. It's yeah. a, it's a, we are just, we are here to learn. And, and like, I love what you said. Um, and I, I'm so in line with, with what you said, Karen, about we're here to be kind and compassionate to each other and realize that we're all we are all each other. We are all pieces of each other. Mm. We can become more kind and compassionate to each other and to ourselves too, which some people find much harder to be kind and compassionate to themselves. And then what I think that they do, and I'm going to pretend I didn't just see that because this isn't about you, Jer, but if you can't find that kindness and compassion for yourself, what it seems like people end up doing is they become nice yeah. versus kind. Yeah. And there's, there's a very big difference between being nice and being kind. And, um, 
and it is a practice and some days the best I can do is be nice to people <laughs> versus being kind because I, I, you know, I struggle with the whole being kind and compassionate to myself in all ways. Yep. Work in progress. Don't want, I don't want to have that you said that. I love that you said that, Kathy, because doing this practice is about being kind to yourself. Yeah. Giving yourself the time is not selfish. Mm -hmm. It's being kind and allowing yourself to connect with who you actually, you know, grow who you actually are so that you can hear who you actually are inside and heal the parts of you that are kind of in disharmony with who you actually are. That's a lot of where disease and sickness comes from too. And people see taking classes or, or doing something for themselves as selfish, but it's not selfish if you become kinder and then you're better for other people. Right. And that's the part of this that you start to realize like, wow, I'm, I'm better for my husband. I'm better for my children. Right. I'm better for my animals because I'm not a basket case, you know, <laughs> or whatever yeah, it is that I, you are. You know, it's funny. I would claim that anything that somebody does to any, any, anything that someone endeavors to get involved in to become a better version of themselves is not selfish. It's just, it's inherently, it's that whole, you know, charity starts at home or the one I, that I love the best is don't put someone else's oxygen, you know, don't put your child's oxygen mask on until you have your own oxygen mask on. You have to take care of yourself first mm-hmm. or you won't be in able. order to be able to, to care for others. And it's a really weird thing, especially for women that somehow taking care of ourselves first has become fodder for being considered selfish. <laughs> Right, which is my least favorite word. <laughs> yeah. ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, we can probably segue right into that, I believe, unless Ginger or Jerry, you guys have anything more you want to... No, I just, I just want to reiterate because it, this does feel more powerful to me. And I know we all see things through our own lenses and whatnot, but it feels more powerful to me um, as a practice, because I would feel, and again, I would love to learn how to do it. So we, we probably all be writing down Karen's info, uh, like we don't already have it, but because it feels like I would be in, in, not in control, but I'm doing something as opposed to allowing something. And I know we need both ends of that, but I'm more a doer than a beer. So it feels, it feels more comfortable to me to be in that context. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it does to me because I think it was kind of like what I was saying with the meditation part. Sometimes you just got to be the doer, right? Sometimes instead of just sitting. So yeah, I, that makes sense to me. What you're saying, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's really cool. One of the side effects of doing this is it opens your intuition. Sweet. <clears throat> so it it was about, you know, like I said, mine was. I had it when I was a kid. I saw lights around people. I could feel what everybody was feeling. I could feel what the dog in my house was feeling. And then it kind of all diminished in my teenage years and went away. Or I shut it down. And then it started coming back. But this practice reconnects your nervous system and your sensitivity. And so at the heart and soul level, it opens back up your, your natural intuition over the years. And it was about eight or nine years into the practice when I started realizing, Oh my God, I'm, I, it's back. 
you know, I'm hearing people and I'm picking up on people who have passed away and they're telling me things and that, you know, wow, that my animals are starting to really look at me funny again. And, you know, so yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So we have a, we have a few questions we will ask. So you've already said your selfish is your least favorite word. Yes. Uh, do you have a most favorite word? Kindness is my favorite word. Mm. My most favorite word is kindness. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, actually, and, and so we should start with what was your spiritual or religious upbringing? Um, so I grew up Jewish, um, conservative Jewish, so pretty serious. Okay, um, so like you, you went, you attended temple or regularly? Every, and Hebrew school. So I had regular school. Wow. And then I had Hebrew school three days a week in the afternoon. So I had double homework, double school, wow. learning another language. Right. The whole wow. bit up until my um, bat mitzvah when I was 13. And they thought I was going to actually be the next rabbi of the temple because <laughs> I was probably the top scholar in my class of all the kids. I could actually read everyone's bar and bat mitzvahs and, and basically run the service if I had to That's awesome. on my own Gosh. but I was a woman uh, there you go and that just pissed me right off <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, and there were some other discrepancies and things I, I kept questioning about uh, the value of human life and um, racial questions that I had racial justices that they couldn't answer even though if you really looked at what the bible was saying everybody's equal and, and so there were a lot of things when I got a little older that just turned me off um, rituals that made no sense and so by the time I was in high school and in college I basically walked away from the formal practice um, and was I would say non-religious until I became spiritual when I in my 30s when I learned this Qigong and then I found my own path to under like seeking and trying to understand a connection with some sort of divine consciousness yeah and it sounds like uh it, it sounds not unlike our stories with the Catholic Catholicism yeah, yeah. Oh, right same thing it's like you know once you can think for yourself and you go, well, wait a second. <laughs> What's your reaction? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, if you could have dinner with any person dead or alive, who would it be? Oh, goodness. So I was torn on this one because I have two people. <laughs> so more recently, I, although she's passed now, I would love to have had dinner with Toni Morrison. She's one of my favorite authors. Mm -hmm. And uh, reading her books, I felt like there was an energy and an intuition and a vibration there that I really wanted to talk to her about because I felt like there was something more going on when she was writing than just writing. Yeah. So I, was, I always wanted to hear from her about her perception of culture and, and racial conversations. So you can have dinner with her. Who would you have dessert with? Sam, <laughs> so, the other person I would want to have dinner with or now dessert with would be um, Leo, Lao Tzu. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Wrote the Tao. Yeah. 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 And the last question, if 
if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you reach the pearly gates? Oh, this one made me emotional, actually. It's so funny. It makes I me emotional every time I ask the question. Yes. Yeah. I get choked up just asking. Mm -hmm. Yes. I know. It's a, it's a powerful question. Yeah, it really um, is. I think I would love to hear God say, you did a good job. Oh. That's beautiful. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and, and telling us all about the, the energy work that you're doing. Uh, for those of you listening, you can find Karen's information on our website, thepsychicwives.com. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this, you know we're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, our Facebook page uh is at the psychic wives super easy to find um and karen's karen's info will be up on our guest page so you can reach out to her if you're interested in a session or finding out more about what she does and the other stuff she does as well so thank you all for joining us thanks so much karen for being here that was thank great. you thank yeah. you all for having me i, I love talking to you all <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we'll, we will be back soon with another episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.